Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Sunday school. In the beginning, God. If I can draw your attention to that, Genesis 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without form and void, formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If I could just start off by just saying, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Where would we be if we just got God in the beginning? We have a tendency to add God late. We have a tendency to add God in the middle. We have a tendency to like to add God after we messed up. We like to add God after we have lost everything. We like to add God after we're in trouble. Sometimes in our highest moments, we ain't all that interested in God. But let all hell break loose and you get to thinking about God. Let bad stuff happen. And now we want to add God after all stuff has fallen apart. But I'd like to make just an appeal for us to kind of just decide to get God in the beginning. It's one of the missions or a part of the vision is can God be the architect of the thing and not just the power? Can he be more than just the power to save you? Can he be the architect to design you? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. There is an intentionality about God. There is something about the Lord in the beginning and him being intentional about something that I would like us to acknowledge and talk about and get ourselves set up for. Part of when the Lord said this whole Sunday school idea to me and spoke to me about kind of Sunday school and what I what my goal really was, was to take just the characters from the Bible and stuff we learned in Sunday school or what we were supposed to learn in Sunday school and take a minute and look at them and glean revelation from them with the goal to find eternal truth and not just the cultural generational expression of that truth. Sometimes what has happened to many of us is that we have been so bombarded with the generational, cultural expression of eternal truth instead of us looking at the Bible and searching for truth that is eternal, truth that transcends time, truth that is bigger than just one particular culture, 
what most of us were taught through the scriptures is to live the culture of the Bible and not the eternal truth communicated there. I was having a conversation with a young man who grew up in this church and, you know, was, has been a faithful member of the church and still is around. And him and I had a conversation in which he said to me, you know, we're in my basement and we're talking. And he said, ah, he's kind of struggled with atheism and, and, and you know, he's kind of struggled with being an atheist for a little bit. And then, and so when he talked about being an atheist and, and, and I said, well, tell me this God that you don't believe in. And when he got done, done describing the God that he doesn't believe in I said well me too I'm an atheist too I don't believe in that God neither we have to be careful that we're not just caught up in the atheism that is popular because we don't believe in a God that was communicated to us not based on eternal truth but on a generational agenda that meant to rule us or enslave us we have to be careful that we don't reject God rejecting their version of God oh my Lord we have to be careful that we don't get disconnected from the real God and not just the character that was explained to us. So I said, well, I, I want to go into the Bible and I want to go through the characters and I want us to try to find eternal truth and not just the cultural generational expression of truth. I'd like for us to seek eternal truth. And if I'm going to look at the major characters in the Bible, well, the first character that we have to look at is God. I know there is a tendency in us as humans to be so focused on us that we're just looking for us. I don't know if you've ever got, I remember back when I was in high school, when I graduated from high school, there was this thing called a yearbook. Do they still do that now? They still have a yearbook? Okay. If you've ever gotten a yearbook and now you're trying to get people to sign your yearbook, and, but, but there's, yeah, sure, when you get your yearbook, the first thing that you do is you thumb to the picture of you. Because you want to make sure that you look good that day. You want to make sure that they use the right picture. You want to make sure that your afro was some kind of straight. And then as you thumb through the rest of the yearbook and you're looking at all the candid shots of this and that, what you really are looking for is yourself. It's very hard to look at something and pictures and you're not in it. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody's trying to show you some pictures of people you don't know and you're looking for you. I was talking to my brother and he was telling me that him and his kids, my, one of my brothers has five children, and him and his kids were watching the wedding, his, him and his wife's wedding video. So it's the wedding video, and his youngest son, Ezra, said, where am I? <laughs> and his father said, you weren't here yet, and do you see how happy we look? No, but he said, you were not in. Listen, this right here was something that took place before you got here. We got you looking at the wedding video 
so you'll know how you got here. But you're not here yet. Sometimes we are in such a rush to identify ourselves in the picture that we don't take time to actually step back and talk about the real character that the Bible is really about, and that is God. And can we allow God to be defined outside of you? I would contend that the God that the world has rejected, the God that your generation has decided to reject is a God that is bound. He's not a limitless God. He's a bound God. He's a limited God. He's not the alpha and the omega. He's not the beginning and the end because a God like that is too big and a God like that is scary. A God like that is a God you can't predict. A God like that is a God that you don't quite know what he'll do. And that's scary to people, even though you barely recognize yourself. You barely are familiar with yourself, and yet we have an audacity and a hubris to believe that we can understand the infinite Alpha and Omega and beginning and the end, I think the best thing you can say about God is there's stuff I know and there's stuff I don't know. There's, there's a way he is. I wish I had an honest saint in here. There's a way he is and there's a way that he shocks me. There is a, Sometimes he does what I ask. Sometimes he don't. And he does stuff I never would imagine he would do. Would to God that I could just predict what he'll do. But sometimes he moves in a way that I don't expect him to move. And we have to realize that a part of the problem that folk have with this God is that he is too big to be predicted. Sometimes he's just too big for you to know and too big for you to design. And we like to act like we can control him. But we have to be careful being overly confident in our control of God. He's bigger than that. And because he's so infinite and so big, and because we are so determined to predict him, that instead of allowing him to be him, we make him like us. Paul said that that is a very serious mistake to make, to exchange the truth of God for a lie and to worship a created thing rather than the creator who is eternal. But that's what we do. When we come against the infinite power of God, instead of us allowing that him living outside of time and living outside of this world, instead of us admitting that he is the God of the living and the dead. So we end up having problems with God because when we see God, we just see us. God, I hope I'm not getting too deep. We only see us. And since we are locked in time, and since we're scared of death, then if God allows death, then we have a problem with God because God allows death 
without us acknowledging that maybe death is just a door to God. Maybe to God, death isn't that big a deal. And isn't there a scripture somewhere that says, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But we want to totally eradicate the truth of God or the possibility of God because some kids die of cancer. So because we see death, we decide, oh, if there's death, well, if God is real, then why did he let my aunt die? If God is real, then why did this one die? If God is real, then why are folk over there dying? Well, maybe their, maybe their death doesn't matter to God like it matters to you because maybe God is so big that death don't bother God. Oh, I'm getting in trouble now. Maybe the problem is we are so determined to define God by us. And when we find what is important to us, it's not that important to God. Now you're going to have to trust him. I wish I had a witness in the building. I wish I was talking to a real mature saint who can admit there have been some times when I tried to get God to do something and the Lord did not do what I asked. And he just had a plan that was bigger than my plan. And he had a vision that was bigger than mine. And I had to surrender to his infinite power. I know I'm not the only one. I would not be where I am if I had designed my life. Who am I talking to? If I had been making all the decisions. No, no, I, I want to be honest. If I was in total control of my life, I would not be blessed like I am. I would not be living in North Carolina. I would not have what I have. Thanks be to God that he is strong enough and big enough and have enough sense to ignore me in my ignorance. But see, that's a scary God, Elder Clark. That's a scary. It's a scary God to put favor on somebody. It's a scary God that he'll send his reign on the just and the unjust. It's a scary God to think that he loves you and you're a believer. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's scary. It's scary to think that maybe God loves Christians and heathens alike. It's scary to think that God loves you and you love him and God loves people that don't love him back. Oh, that's scary. Now, that's a God I can't control. That's a God I can't predict. And that makes me nervous. I want you to tell me exactly what prayer to pray. So I can pray this prayer. I can pray this prayer and then feel comfortable because I can predict what God is going to do. But then you'll be shocked and bothered when the Lord decides to bless the least of somebody. I wish I had a least in here. Where just at the right time when you were at your lowest moment god will bless you if you are in the charlotte north carolina area and want to see pastor andy live he and wocc will be doing a pop-up worship service on july 3rd 2022 the service will be at the night theater in downtown charlotte at 10 a.m 
Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast to save your seat, and we will see you there. We don't like that. We don't like that. We like, especially if we were raised with holiness and works and righteousness, and, and we were raised with a rule book and raised with a concept. We want to believe we can control the infinite, and since he cannot really be fathomed, the Bible says, who amongst us knows the mind of God that we may instruct him? We got the mind of Christ. Us having the mind of Christ doesn't mean we have the mind of God. It means we have a Christian mind and should be glad about it. And the mind of Christ is to serve. So if you're a Christian and you have a problem with favor on somebody that's a heathen, I need an honest, I just need an honest moment. I don't know if there's anybody ever in here that has seen, seen favor on a heathen. Just wave at me. You're gonna, you can do something. You see, you see somebody who just as raggedy and just as stank and just as ridiculous and you see favor on them. It can make you mad. Because you are taught that favor is for the believer. Sorry, sorry, that's not Bible. That's not the Bible. The Bible says that God will send rain on the just and the unjust. Your job as a Christian is not to be blessed. Your job as a Christian is to be a blessing. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. I said I'm going to make everything, everybody clap for that. What makes you different is when favor gets on your life, you can't keep it to yourself. When joy gets in your life, you can't keep it to yourself. This joy you have, you realize the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. And so now you want to share it. That's the difference. The difference is not you're blessed special because you're a Christian, because you were born in a nation that has Christianity. That's racism. And unfortunately, most of us were taught God from a racist perspective. I'm trying to defend my God because he's my friend and I'm trying to do Sunday school and I'm trying to start off saying in the beginning God and I just want to defend my God for just a second I'm sorry but my God is not a racist my God does not require that you be Western my God does not require that you be white my God does not require that you be a Republican my God does not require that you're born in America my God does not require that you be one culture. I'm going to make everybody clap for that, especially all the black people. My God does not require that you be one culture to love him. Reason why, Elder Clark, Islam is growing faster than Christianity is because we have limited Christianity to one culture. It's absolutely possible for you to be a Muslim and be Kenyan. It's absolutely possible for you to be a Muslim and be Chechnyan. You don't have to be Kenyan to be a Muslim. 
but somehow somebody decided that the only way for you to be a Christian is to be Western and the devil is a liar I said the devil is a liar and most of us were taught Christ with a racist slant We were taught that God decided who needed to die based on where they were born. And I do not believe in that God. If you reject that God, son, so do I. The devil is a liar. I don't believe in that God. I believe that my God is bigger. I believe that you're going to have to allow for the possibility that maybe you don't know what God's going to do with somebody who never heard the name of Jesus. I'm sorry. I need to move on. But you will have to be okay with, you ought to be glad you know his name. Oh, I wish I had. You need to be glad you know Christ. You need to be glad you have the cross. Hallelujah. What God's going to do with somebody in China really ain't your business. Business. Your business is what is he saying to you? What is he doing in you? How is he moving in you? And let God be God if it makes every man a liar. I'm going to move on. But I'm saying in the beginning, God. Can I get a witness in the building? In the beginning, God. If I'm mad, I am mad. If I seem annoyed, I am annoyed. Because I'm living in a time in which folks have decided to reject my friend. And God is my friend. He's been good to me. Anybody, God's been good to you. God's been good to me. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. And he was good to me when I was right. And he was good to me when I was wrong. He was good to me when I was not living right. Oh, I can't get a witness in this building. He was good to me when I was holy. And when have I ever really been holy? I am offended. When a son of my ministry says to me, I just don't know if I can accept a God where it's okay for little Mexican kids to be locked in cages. I'm like, listen, bruh, I'm not okay with that God either. Please do not allow the limitations of a culture's perspective about God to lock you away from the eternal, amazing power of God because the word says it takes a revelation to understand how high God's love is and how wide God's love is. Who am I talking to? How deep God's love is. It's a love that surpasses all knowledge. Sit down. God demonstrated his own love for us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Gentlemen, it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. We all have children. All of us that have children. It's Father's Day. If you have a relationship with your children and love your children, then, and you're like me, then quite honestly, the idea of your child dying is something that you don't like to think about. Let alone allowing your child to die for people that don't like you. 
I have, I have all of my children. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I would not ask one of my children to die for nobody in here. Well, I think we all ought to say amen on that one. Not a one of you. Not a one of you. Not going to happen. So what that does is that helps you to know that the love of God is bigger than what you think love is. Oh, I'm going to speak that over the world. It's Sunday school. Let's get this thing set right. If we're going to worship God, let's worship God, the creator. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created, not reacted, not responded, created. Why am I so adamant? Well, because I want to believe in the intentionality of God. I, I want to believe that God, my friend, is bigger than who he's been described he is to us. I'm going to take a couple of Sundays and I want to try to explain him and get the focus off of us for just a minute. You may not find yourself in this picture. I'm talking about my friend God. Bible says in the beginning God created. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So this God created heavenly things. And this God created earthly things. So are all of us who were taught that the heavenly is more important than the earthly, we were taught wrong. For all of us who were taught that God created church for church to be everything, for all of us who spent all our time in church and in there all day and in there all week, we were misinformed about the requirements of God. For all of us who were taught that God cares more about the spiritual than he does about the earthly, we were taught wrong. In the beginning, God created the heavens, but God also created the earth. So we have to be careful that we don't fall into a trap of calling everything earthly sinful. I'm sorry. I'm talking Sunday school. And I, I, maybe I'll just correct what I was taught. Maybe this didn't apply to you. But the way I was taught was I was taught that if it was earthly, it was somehow wrong. And if it, if it, was, if it felt good, it probably wasn't good. I wish I had a witness. I was taught that it must not be God if she was too cute. She was cute, you were carnal. Matter of fact, church I grew up in, they almost tried to keep everybody ugly just for you to be spiritual. I wish I had a witness in the building. They didn't allow no makeup, and people needed makeup, my God. They didn't allow no red. They didn't allow no jewelry. And so if you, in the way I was raised, you had to marry a woman that you were almost like, oh, thank you. You had to have the Holy Ghost because if you liked her in the flesh, that was wrong. 
I just wish I had a witness in the building. It was connected to some of just the generational expression because I was raised in a world where your mother didn't care what you liked to eat. Okay, I'll just move on. My parents were broke, so you ate what they made. My mother was not a chef at a restaurant taking orders like y'all. My mother made broccoli and you ate broccoli. And if you didn't eat and want to eat no broccoli, then you just didn't eat. So there was a sense of it that just because you don't like it don't mean you shouldn't eat it. And then they connected that to everything so that anything earthly was wrong. But I'm telling you, sorry, hate to say it, but there's nothing demonic about the beach. I'm gonna make everybody say something. There's nothing to move. There's nothing demonic about a beach. There's nothing demonic about a beach body. My God, uh, you shouldn't have to cover it with a t-shirt. No, you didn't. Uh, there's nothing demonic. God made that. Most of us was raised where all that had to be covered and it had to be a napkin on the top of your head because we were taught that the flesh is wrong. But I'm contending that God made all of that. God made mangoes sweet. God made good stuff to eat. God made barbecue sauce. Hallelujah. That was the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with barbecue sauce in moderation. Now, what we want is we just want us to, somebody to tell us that it is wrong, and then something that is expressed culturally becomes spiritual, and then we take it as eternal truth. Even though Peter starts to minister to the Gentiles, and the Spirit of God says to Peter, rise, slay, and eat, but we want to take something that was expressed in a cultural moment and make it eternal truth because we don't want to wrestle with knowing God for real. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Pastor Andy, is it wrong to eat bacon? Well, the question is, is it wrong for you to eat bacon? Hmm. I think you can already tell by what I'm saying that I feel like bacon is kind of a blessed thing. But... If you have high blood pressure, then you need to be careful about that bacon grease. Me, my blood pressure's nice. I might have some bacon today. But what I'm saying to you is, be careful. 
all that you don't take an expression culturally and make it eternal. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you this morning, beloved? I know I'm all over the place at Sunday school. Let me explain to you the foundation of my theological understanding. And it's this. It is a principle that Jesus communicated. And it is this. Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. Sabbath made for man, not man for Sabbath. Meaning that God made this, God made this, all of this is here for your life to go to another level. This was made for you, not you made for this. I'm going to make everybody clap for that. No, I'm going to make everybody clap for that. If you don't believe that, then you don't know Jesus because Jesus was born during a time in which people were so caught up in a cultural generational expression of truth and principles that it had gotten crazy. So Jesus said to the Pharisees, wait, 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 are y'all telling me that you can circumcise a child on the eighth day if it falls on the Sabbath? but I can't heal a man on the Sabbath? See, you've gotten so deep in your pharisaical principles that you are beyond reason. Understand, the letter killeth, the spirit gives life. We got to get down to the spirit of the law, not just the letter. Beloved, this is why atheism and agnosticism is, is bigger than ever. It's because we have become unreasonable around the law. Do you know why? Because we're lazy. We're lazy. We're just lazy. It's just the fact humans are lazy. We're lazy. It is way easier to be all the way one way or all the way the other way. That's what's easy. It's just easy for something to be all the way right or all the way wrong. It takes too much work. It takes too much intimacy with God for you to figure out if that's right for you or not. You just want to rule. People just want to rule. They just want a regulation. And then they want that regulation to just cover everything regardless of the situation. And Jesus is saying, what are y'all saying? There's a man standing here with his hand shriveled, and I have the power to heal him. Who cares if it's the Sabbath day or not? That's not the point of the Sabbath. Man is not made for Sabbath. Sabbath is made for man. Marriage was made for man, not man for marriage. The law was made for man, not man for the law. And so what I'm saying is God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, I'm almost done. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's then and now. I don't know if anybody like me has a then and now situation. Then God created it. Now it's not good. This is what I like about God. 
I want to introduce him to you again. Because my God is a then and now God. My God is not just a God that moves when everything's perfect. My God is a God that can move when stuff is void and empty and dark and formless. The same spirit that created is the same spirit that can be there when it's a mess. I wish I had a witness in the building. <laughs> the same spirit that started it is the same spirit that hovers over the waters when things are not good. And if you're here or you're watching and you are in a situation that is void, that is empty, that is dark, that is without meaning, you're in the right place. God is the one to talk to. Because God don't need everything perfect for him to move. My God that I know has a way of fixing stuff that's crooked and broken and void and dark and empty. And if you live on this planet long enough and you're a human being, you're going to find yourself in a dark moment, in an empty moment, in a formless moment, in a void moment. Who am I talking to? You're going to find yourself in a despairing moment. You've never been depressed? You're not being honest. You ain't never cried? You must not be human. You live on this planet long enough, something going to happen that you're going to feel like it's dark and formless and void. And the thing that's great about my God, this God, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God that I'm describing as the initial main character in Sunday school, before we get to Adam and Eve and Mo, Noah and Moses and everybody else, no, no, the start of it is God. This God don't mind when stuff is void. This God is a fixer. He's a fixer. Tell somebody he's a fixer. He's a fixer. Tell somebody he's a fixer. He is a regulator. He is a creator, but he's also a rehabilitator. He will build something, but you know what else he'll do? He'll come in and he'll renovate. He'll build you a house from scratch, squad, and then he'll come in and renovate if he has to. He's not bothered by the mess you made it. Bible says, then God said, God said, well, we won't deal with it because it's about you, but just know God said is a confirmation to you that words have power. The earth was created with words. So you all, me, you, all of us, have to be very careful with the words that we speak because from the beginning, initially, words is what made the world. So it's an example to you that your words make your world. So be very careful what you say this week. Be very careful what you say about yourself. Be very careful what you say over yourself. Be very careful what you say over your child. Be very careful what you say over your business. Be very careful what you say over your money. Be careful, very careful what you say over your mind. No matter how high these gas prices get, 
God's going to have your back no matter how crazy it gets. I wish I had a witness in the building. No matter what kind of, uh, what, what kind of recession, inflation, inflation session, whatever it is, you have made it through. Come on. You have made it through stuff before, and you will make it through stuff again. Most of you in here survive on less money than you make now. No, I got to say that again. Most of you in here at one time in your life made it on less money than you got now. So there's no reason for you to be overly shook by what's happening financially because the same God that got you to this place, oh, I'm going to leave that alone, is the exact same God. If he has to, he'll rebuild you. If he has to, he'll reform you. If he has to, he'll take your crooked and make it straight. If your stock market portfolio has taken a beating, like mine this past week, it's okay because the same God that got you to here is the same God that can take you to there even if you stumble, he'll take you higher. I'm just trying to encourage somebody that you have to be careful what you say. What do you mean can't? There's no can't. Can't will limit what you do because your words have power. So God steps in. There's a then and there's a now. God steps in and the Bible gives us a perspective of what God does and I just want to cover it really quickly and pray for everybody and let you go you know I'm gonna take up an offer for my building fund but I'm gonna take up this offer and I'm gonna let you go let me tell you what God does let me tell you what my God does even before you get here even before mankind is even created there's just a there's something God does and I want you to expect it of him because he does it for everybody, for the just and the unjust. What I'm about to say, you don't even have to really know God to get this. But the better you know him, the more you'll know and believe it and access it. The first thing that God says is he says, let there be light. So the first thing that this God does is God creates light god brings light reason why you want to have a relation with god son is because god brings light god brings clarity god brings revelation god brings illumination god brings order the hebrew word there also means structure way God brings light can I get a witness in the room of anybody that can say my relationship with God helped me to see stuff better just I understood stuff better I understood me better some stuff made sense that didn't make sense now there's still some stuff that don't make sense doesn't mean everything gonna make sense but there are some things that made sense. Once I had a better relationship with God, the lights came on. There was illumination that came as a result of God. There was an order and a structure that God brought. God brings light. Number two, not only does God bring light, wait, 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 but God helps your eyes work. 
The Bible says there's evening, there's morning, there's day, and there's night. So God helps you to see what's day, and God helps you to see what's night. If you have a close enough relation with God, he'll let you know who's good. He'll let you know who evil. He'll let you know who for you. He'll let you know who against you. The closer you have a relationship with God, then you'll start having a nose about people. I need a witness in the building. I don't know if you've ever had a little baby that won't go to somebody. Who help us. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is the more you, the closer you are to God, the more illumination happens. Verse 6 says, God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And God made the vault and separated the water from the vault and the water above it. And it was called the vault sky. Number two, God creates space. God creates space. God doesn't necessarily let everything be all mashed together. The formlessness and the void and the emptiness happens as a result of the fact that sometimes when stuff is too smashed together and there's not enough space, there's no clarity. Sometimes to get clarity, you need space. Sometimes to get growth, you need space. Sometimes you got to step away from the crazy so that you can get a breath. Ain't nothing wrong with you losing your hood, bruh, but I would suggest you move out. I was in a part of the country that was so hood. Oh, my God. I went there. It was hood. I won't say the city because they may be watching. I don't want to run no city down. But this, this city was hood. Whole old. Hood. And I was raised in Boston, okay? My daddy's first church was across the street from the projects. All my best friends was the sons of the single mamas that lived in the Lenox Street projects. Oh, I spent time in the hood. Ain't nobody shook about no hood, but I ain't been in it for a bit. And I pulled in. I pulled into one of them little convenience stores where there's people outside and there's all this stuff moving around, you know. And when I got out the car, you know, I had to put my shoulders back. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember the minute the hood hit my nostrils, I smelled hood. And I was like, oh, I got to walk right now. You can't walk quick in the hood, you know what I'm saying? You got to have a little bounce to you in the hood. You got to have your head back. Yeah. When I smelled the hood, it all came back. And I breathed it in deep. At first, I coughed because I choked on that hood. But then I cleared my lungs and I breathed in some more hood. And my hood lungs took over and I was able to breathe in the hood again. And I bought a Snapple and a piece of candy and some Nowalators and some chips and some pork rinds. Oh, my God. And then I put it in a brown bag and then through the glass that was plastic. And then I got in my car and I drove back to the hotel where the white people were. And when I got in there, I breathed that in. I enjoyed the hood, but I had to give me some space. Okay, let me leave that alone.
Number three <laughs> says, God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place. Let dry ground appear. Number three, God establishes land. God establishes foundations. God establishes land and sea. God establishes foundation whether you know him or not. The Lord don't just let people who know him have foundation. Even people that don't really know him have foundation. If you're bothered by that, then you're bothered with God. If anyone taught you that only Christians have foundation, that's a lie. They use that to make it seem like they have no right to their foundation. So let's go rob them of their foundation and let's go rob them of the stuff they have in their foundation because they're heathens, they're savages. So it must be okay for us to kill them and rob them of their land because land only belongs to Christians. That's not true. Devil is a liar. And there's been too much bloodshed in the name of that notion. And it's why people do not believe in my God. But don't get it twisted. This God created land and sea before Christianity. Number four, the Bible says God made vegetation, God made seed, God made food, God made animals. So number four, God creates life. Running out of time. God creates life. I'll deal with it more next time. God creates life, food with seed in it, self-propelled life. Number five, the Bible says God said let there be lights in the sky to separate the day from the night. Number five, God creates time. Time. God creates time. Time is something that God creates, that God has created, that transcends Christianity. No matter how saved you are, you're going to die. Pray in tongues all you want, you're going to die. Be as Holy Ghost filled as you want. Time's still running. You can't stop the clock. How much Jesus you got? Time waits for nobody. God creates time. Number six, God says, let us make mankind in our image. So number six, God replicates himself in man. God doesn't just make man, he decides to replicate himself in humankind. He says, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. He is so big, he's not bothered that we're copies of him. I don't know if you're like me and you've ever been in a situation where somebody copying you can be a little annoying. Like they just bite your styles, or they bite your rhymes, or they take your sermons. <laughs> or they just come and they copy your stage, and they copy your building, and they copy your stuff. And then they go up the street, and they just copy you. And it can be a little annoying when folk copy you. Just take that as a compliment. That imitation is the highest form of flattery. If you get around your cousin and all of a sudden she's doing her hair like you, instead of you being like, oh, look at this chick. Instead of that, maybe you ought to be like, that's right, I look good. 
and your cousin tired of looking ratchet, and she want to figure out who braid your hair instead of you being like, never mind who braid my hair. And maybe you should share it. You know your cousin need her hair done. Anyway, God replicates himself in man. He's not shook. Gentlemen, one of the ways you know you're strong is if you ain't shook by what nobody else do. Then it's okay because you know who you are. It's more than enough shine. You ain't bothered if you know who you are. You are if you think there's not enough shine for everybody, but there is. And then in verse 28 said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase the number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule. So number seven is, God, y'all know it had to be seven. Seven is God initiates relationship with man. God is intentional about relationship with man. God is intentional about relationship with man and there's no church yet. God doesn't say, let there be church. God doesn't say, let there be deacons and elders. God doesn't say, let there be a Hammond B3. God doesn't say that. God says, let there, let's make man in our image and let's talk to man. My contention is, is that if we think that the only way to interact with God is through church, we misunderstand God. Church isn't just about communication with God because just about everybody in here, once you got serious about the Lord, can remember a time when God said something to you when you barely knew him. I wish I had a witness in the building. You may not want to tell us your story, how God spoke to you when you was in a club, powder full of blood. <laughs> you may not want to admit that it was the Holy Ghost that said, leave. You don't know what it was, but something just made you leave. And you was like, all right, dude, I got a dip. Man, you leaving already? Yeah, man. Dun, dun, dun. And you walked out to the beat, and then afterwards you heard something popped off, and somebody got shot, and you now realize that was not you, dude. That was the Lord. God initiates relationship with man. I would contend... If you was on an island all by yourself and you didn't know nothing about the church, God will speak to you. That this is my God. My God brings light. My God creates space. My God knows that sometimes you need some separation. God knows you need a foundation. God knows that you have got to have life, food, seed. God knows. He has created time. He created man in his own image, in his likeness. And he decided not just to make man and leave him alone. He decided to make man and talk to man. 
God doesn't inhabit the praise of his people. That's not what it means. God is not so insecure that he needs praise all the time, and then he shows up when you praise. That's not real. That's dumb. I, that's, it bothers some to me. Like the Lord is just waiting. When you praise me, I'll show up. Just praise me. When you praise me, I'll come up. Hallelujah. And the Lord's like, it's going to help you. Like he is so in need of your praise that your praise make him show up. God don't need your praise. God has angels that can praise him. And even in the moment when Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, I don't think the Lord is enthroned in praise every second of the day. I think Isaiah saw the Lord on a Sunday, and they're singing and they're praising and they're hallelujah. But the Lord got a lot to do besides just being praised all the time. That is a depiction of him that's based on man because man likes to be praised all the time. Man likes all the attention. Oh, my God. Man likes people to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I will contend that my God don't need you to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The Lord I know don't need eight thank yous. One is enough. It's not that he inhabits praise. That's it, but that's not it. What it is, is, is God is talking to you right now. Just like there is a phone signal in this room, and you cannot get that signal if you don't have the right equipment. And the same way, if you don't learn how to raise your hands, if you don't learn, how, when you raise your hands, you are putting your antenna up, is what you're doing. When you start to praise the Lord, it's like the, there's a dial that happens, and you find the right frequency. The Lord been saying your name all day. Paul, 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 Paul. Somebody get Paul. Paul, Paul. Somebody get Paul. Paul, Paul. And then when you step into the presence of God, all of a sudden you start hearing the Lord. And the Lord is like, finally, man, I've been calling you for two years. I've been calling you for three years. I just put it on automatic ring on a regular basis and I finally got your attention. Can I tell you something? I got a plan for you, dude. A plan not to harm you. A plan to give you hope and a future if you could ever just surrender your life. And while I got your attention, bro, on Father's Day, can you give your life to me? And can I show you the plan I have for you? And can I take you to a place where you would never be without me? That's all I wanted to say. Peace, bro. Hopefully we can talk again if you can ever turn your phone on. We don't go nowhere without our phone. Everybody, raise your phone up. Just go ahead and grab it because it's right in your lap. Don't nobody in this room not have a phone. If you don't have a phone, the devil is a lie. You, and if you hold up a flip phone, we rebuke you. But don't nobody in here not have a phone. You will go back to the house. To get your phone. Talk to me. You have left it and drove back. Where's my phone? You have to have it up to your body. You, you got to, it, your heart don't work without your phone. How can you always have a phone and not always be in constant communication with the Lord? I would suggest that you praise so that you keep your phone on. 
and you keep your phone charged. Nothing worse than a phone on 2%. I wish I had a witness in the building of somebody who got a friend whose phone always dying. Oh, I got to go. I got to go get in the car real quick. My phone about to die. You are getting on my nerves. I have something to say to you. I would contend that's the Lord. The Lord is saying, I had something to say to you, but your phone is always dying. You are always upset. You are always bothered. You are always You are always stressed. When was the last time you lifted your hands? When was the last time you said, Lord, I love you? When was the last time you charged your phone? Don't plug in your phone and not plug in your heart. Because God is talking if you can hear him. He doesn't just talk to saved people. Let's get that straight right now. God does not only talk to saved people. That's crazy. If God only talked to saved people, then you could never ever hear him tell you to get saved. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. It's not that God only talks to saved people. It's that if you're saved and if you have a relationship with him and if you really know him, then you know his voice. And you're like, ooh, that was the Lord. Ooh, that was God speaking to me. And oh, yes, Lord, I want to hear from you some more. Salvation helps you to acknowledge the voice. It doesn't give you only exclusive access to it. It doesn't. Salvation helps you be in the front of the plane, but anybody can fly. Anybody can pray. No, let's just get this straight. Anybody can pray. Now, there's prayer warriors in this room, and if something's going wrong with me, I will call the prayer warriors, and I will ask Elder Paul. Something's going wrong with me. I'm like, Elder Paul, are you praying for me or what? What are you doing? <laughs> the other day, something happened to me. I was like, what is Elder Paul? Is he on his? Somebody call Elder Paul. What is What's with this? My knee hurting. Are you praying for me or what? So you need to have somebody praying for you. I wish I, I, you need to have somebody praying for you round the clock. If you have a crazy auntie who loves to pray, ask her to pray for you. Anybody got one of those crazy aunties that you can't ask to pray before the food because she'll pray for the food get, for, until it get cold? I got an auntie like that. She can't just pray for the food because she'll pray and everything will be cold and flies will be on it by the time she's done to pray. You can't ask her to pray for your food, but ask her to pray for your job. Ask for her to pray for your money. Ask her, somebody that got a long-winded prayer life, you need that person praying for you. But it's not just the effectual fervent prayer of Elder Paul or the effectual fervent prayer of Elder Clark or the effectual Elder prayer. That's not the only prayer that's effective. Can I tell you something right now? God will hear your prayer in your darkest moment, in your most heathen, who am I talking to? In your most heathen, drunken, high moment. Talk to me. God will show up. God is looking for somebody who is ready to give it all up to him. God is not far from people who are lost. Let's rectify this. My God has mercy and grace. If it was not for his mercy, you would not stand. He's a merciful God. He's a 
loving God. He's a forgiving God. My wife hugged me today and said, Happy Father's Day. And I said, Thank you. She said, Thank you for being such a forgiving father. Thank you for forgiving my children, is what she said to me. And I said, How can I not forgive my children when I have been forgiven? Oh, I need a witness in the building. Can somebody talk to me this morning? If it had not been for his mercy and his grace, I would not be here right now. But God loves me in spite of me. If that's you, put your hands together and praise God right now because he's good. Can I get you to give? Can I get you to give? I know we're over time. Let's give to the building fund, and let's give. And, and there, there it is, Victory Park. God don't need your money, but the church does. God is rich in houses and land, and God don't need your money. Look, I don't need my money. You're exactly right. But his work needs your money. His work needs you to give. His work needs you to be faithful. We are on our way out of this building. This is a lease space. We have a little bit more than a year left in this space. We have 140,000 square feet of space altogether. In our new building, it's only going to be 100,000 feet. And, uh, and so we're, 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 we don't need as much space. We're going to do 100,000 square foot in this first building. And, and we're going to have a sanctuary around this size. And we're going to have a killer children's ministry. Not only is our children's ministry going to minister to children, if you need an offering envelope, you can raise your hand. Or you can take a, a QR scan of that, a scan of that QR code. And you can give in all the different ways there are to give. We need you to be generous to give to the work of the kingdom of God. Back to my vision. Not only is it going to be a sanctuary, the sanctuary of this we have 140,000 square feet of space and this is this sanctuary is about 2500 and we're going to have a sanctuary around this size and then but there's going to be a children's ministry not only is a children's ministry going to be something there for Sundays but I, I foresee the children's ministry being something that people can use all week Parents can just come up there and just check their kid in and pay a couple of dollars and the kids can just run around and be crazy and they can sit there on the Wi-Fi and get some peace I have a vision that people will be on this property that don't know God and will come to know him as a result of being on his property because we are determined to serve him. So there's going to be this huge children's ministry space. And then, of course, there's going to be the whole basketball court thing. But, beloved, this is four courts, and, and I can see all the tournaments and all the stuff and the practices and all the stuff that's going on. But, beloved, this is our new church. This is our new permanent location. We've been in lease spaces our whole 19 years. We have been in the wilderness, not 40 years, but 19. This might look nice to you, but this is a tent. We have been setting up a tent, and the glory of the Lord has been in this tent, but it's time for us to build the tabernacle. Amen? And so I need you to give. I need you to be faithful. I need you to make your pledge. I need you to sow. I need you to be generous. I need you to be generous even in the challenging times. Oh, well, Pastor Andy, the gas prices are high. Beloved, we are going to be generous and faithful and giving no matter what happens. Because <laughs> you really need the Lord now. Now you really need him. Now you really need to get some seed in the ground. This is the time to sow. And we're given to the work of the kingdom of God. And we're on our way out of here. 
And I need you to be faithful. And I need you to be consistent. I need you to tithe. And more than anything, God's work needs you to be used of him. And if you make a lot of money, that means that there's a grace on you to give. It's not just the grace of making, but it's the grace of giving. And you can't beat God giving. Anybody hear God? Somebody say that you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. You're a walking miracle. If it had not been for the Lord on your side, where would you be? Come on, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this moment. Thank you for this Father's Day. Lord, I said it was going to be short, but I went on long. But, God, I got to talking about you, and I'm passionate about you, and I want people to know you, and I want people to walk in a relationship with you, and I want people to have fellowship with you, and I don't want people to misunderstand you because you're my friend. And I want you to inspire your people in this room and around the world to give to your work in the belief that you still have a plan for this planet. You still have a plan for the low, not just for the highborn, but for the lowborn. God, for those of us who are forgotten about and mistreated, and for those of us, Lord, who are still in captivity to our oppressor, God, I pray that you would deliver us. We are crying out for a deliverer, and we pray, Lord God, that you would deliver us from the bounds of death. Now, God, take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the upbuilding of your kingdom. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you as you give. As you give, just stay in your seat just for a second and allow these faithful, faithful men, these armor bearers and gate. Oh my Lord, I just remembered. These armor bearers and gatekeepers, just, uh, just allow them to just serve us and, and, and take up the offering and, and then we will be dismissed. Next Sunday we'll be here. I'm going to be doing Sunday school for the next couple of, of months. Next Sunday I'm going to talk more about God. Then I'm going to talk about Adam and Eve. Help us, Jesus. And then I'm going to talk about Noah. And I'm going to talk about the major characters in the Old Testament. And I'm going to apply the basics for revelation for us. So let somebody know that uh, I'm going to be talking about uh who God really is and what the word really means and how we really ought to apply it. And uh, I want us to be edified, to walk in a relationship with him. I have faith in the word. I have faith in the word. I have faith in the word. I believe in the word of God. I want to make sure that we have a right understanding of the word of God. Because if we don't, then it can make us ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us to be faithful. So thank you for coming today. Thank you for tuning in around the world. All right, let's jump on our feet. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for another Sunday. Thank you for another day that you've made. Thank you for Father's Day. Now, Lord, as we leave and celebrate our fathers and take them out to dinner or make them food or give them gifts, may we remember that you are the father of us all. You are our original father. And we ask you to use us for your glory. We ask your hand to be on us for good. We ask you to dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Cover us with your blood and be God in our situation. And we'll praise you for what you do, for what you say. And God, as we always pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people in this room and in every room around the world. On this continent, on every continent that's watching, may we understand who you are. Give us peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. God bless you. Hopefully, you were blessed and encouraged by this message. 
visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.